Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Walden. My guest today is Will Prudhomme from Canada. How's it going, Monty? Pretty good. How's it going with you? I'm, I'm hanging in. Yeah? Yeah, it's a crazy show out there right now. It's a crazy show in here as well. So, <laughs> so who, basically, who are you and where are you from and what do you do? All right. Uh, I do a lot of things. I wear, wear many hats these days. I'm, I'm from Toronto, Canada. I'm actually I'm originally from Windsor, Ontario, a small town across from Detroit. So how did you? What did you move from one side of Canada to the other? Parents? No, no more so job opportunities. Right. Yeah, Toronto is the kind of economic hub of Canada, and uh, where I'm from, it's it's a little depressed. So it was a matter of just necessity, and then I happened to get in right at the right time. Frankly, so when you say get into what? I mean, wine or wine, career, life, all that fun stuff. Um, I moved there when I was 26. I took a sommelier job with one of the best. How would I put my arms down? Yeah, you can't. Oh, I'm moving the table. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Oh. You're a big lad. Yeah, You're okay. a strong guy. You know. <clears throat> Your muscles are bigger than my thighs. So, oh, yeah. 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 I don't know how to take that. No, <laughs> nor do I. Okay, can we start that question again? Good. <laughs> so how did, you, how did you get into wine? Okay, I, uh, I started in Western Canada. I worked for Fairmont Hotels and discovered the... Uh, the career path of sommelier in the early 2000s, and it wasn't very popular at the time. Um, or being a som. Yeah, it was kind of non-existent, really. I mean, where I lived, it was a tourist area. There were a lot of mountains and a lot of uh, a lot of great dining. So I discovered the path and decided to follow it because it hit on a number of, of interests of mine, such as geology, geography, history, uh, food and wine. There was culture, and I'd recently returned from Europe, uh, where actually I, I discovered wine cerebrally in Italy, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, perhaps. But um, the career path was something that wasn't being done by many people. I thought it was very interesting for myself. I was kind of lost at the time, so I decided to pursue it and uh, got pretty good at it, and ended up moving to Toronto, where there were a lot more a lot more opportunities and jobs, and this is right at the beginning, I shouldn't say beginning, but the new renaissance of what is going on now in Canada. You talk about fine food and fine wine. Not only just fine food and fine wine, but more so diversity of food and wine and kind of an acceptance. One thing from being in a colony or growing up in a colony of you know England, essentially, and, and France. France. Okay. I was getting there, don't I'll worry. leave them out. Well, hence the, the last name, right? I'm a direct descendant. But uh, that being said, we have a, an amalgamation of cultures uh, in, in Canada. It is truly a melting pot. We don't really have a, a very strong, distinctive Canadian cuisine. We do have native cuisine based on bannock and smoked fish and really great stuff but that's not really that pervasive in our culture it's mostly built off of uh, preserves a lot of braising a lot of meats some some vegetables but the biggest asset to Canada and to Toronto right now is the the multitude of cultures that that brings in the foods along with it so Toronto being this melting pot it's the biggest population in Canada of, of different cultures you can eat and drink just about anything and our culture has also started to evolve from the dining side of things, from uh, being very kind of reserved Victorian uh, to with a couple little blips of real integrity and interest to this extremely diverse and, and exponentially growing wine and food culture. So you, Canada, you're saying, is moving from slightly sort of conservative 
I'm saying that they have one. moved, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, in terms of opportunities for SOMs, yes. um, obviously it keeps you on your toes because the range of potential matches with any particular wine is growing because of all these diverse food cultures that you're talking about. How do you keep all this stuff in your head? I don't know. I mean, it's been years of, of practical application. You know, I, I'm not the type of person to, like, I'll study a lot. I've been through a multitude of courses and continue to do so, but it's more so a very tactile thing for me, right? There are rules, yes, I get it, but I was fortunate to work at a, a Canadiana restaurant, if you will, called Canoe Restaurant, and it was very um, top of the food chain, high-end, but not in the stuffy sort of sense. We had amazing ingredients all the time. Canada has a burgeoning wine culture as well uh, that's starting to really see some momentum in certain varieties. But we, we have to take from other... We have to take from other cultures. So we had a very strong Italian selection, very strong French, very strong New World selection. It was quite diverse, right? And then the dishes themselves, they had a Canadian anchor to them, meaning produce, fish, everything was sourced where it could be. But everything was French technique or Italian technique or Asian technique or whatever it is applied to that, right? So that gives you as a sommelier this this amazing breadth of opportunity to be pairing food and wine. I was very fortunate to work with a chef who at the end, I worked there for six years, we had such a dialogue that was non-verbal almost where he just look at certain items on the plate and I would as well we'd have nonverbal communication be able to come up with these these really quite fun <laughs> pairings so when you talk about like how do I keep it all in my head it, it just comes down to practice more than anything and, and almost a six sixth sense developed sixth sense correct you know some people have you know I'm very fortunate that I've been able to, to tone my palate really get to understand a lot of the, the, the cultural foods out there. It, it takes it takes time to develop and hone that, right? And I was in a great environment for that. I still am, frankly, uh, even though I'm, I'm, I haven't been in restaurants for about four years full-time. So what's hot at the moment in Canada? Obviously, you've got a monopoly system which complicates supply slightly, but what are the hot varietals coming out of Italy right now that Canadians are starting to love and get to know and appreciate? Well, we're fortunate in some ways, like not every province is monopoly-based, uh, and you can get what you want to get. You have to work with specific importers sometimes, but um, it's pretty fascinating right now it is so explosive it's almost um, adolescent like the, the culture there where things are changing you've got these bursts of energy you don't know if you're coming or you're going so right now we've got a very strong vin nature movement right natural wines uh, yes and I think it's still I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole but um, that being said I think it's starting to find some footing um, we are getting some really cool wine bars uh, that are starting to pop up right now but I mean Japanese food Italian is back again French bistro started to really pop up right now and People are just concentrating on classics and classic expressions, you know, uh, the gr gr great restaurants in Toronto specifically are the ones that really embrace what they're trying to do. So if you're going to be a wine bar, then you, you know, have wine bar-centric food and, and grow from there. If you're going to be Italian, like pick your region, right, and make sure that you're nailing it. Same thing with French Bistro. I mean, French Bistro isn't complicated, but doing it well is, like, simple is often very quite hard to, to manage when, when you, uh, you know, sometimes have ambition. So what, what makes that little extra difference in terms of getting it okay right and getting it right, right, really right? Really right is embracing exactly what it is from design to quality of products to technique. 
we we have a lot of um, again with with this melting pot of cultures we have people from these places that have have done that there's excellent mexican restaurants for people from mexico have come and they're bringing their 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 mentality more than anything they can find the ingredients because we 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 have them there so making sure that you're being genuine these restaurants that are opening their their chefs are going out their front of house is going out to those specific places like peruvian is something that's very much coming up right now and instead of just saying this is my version of peruvian food they're going down to Miraflores in in Lima and they're going to the best restaurants there and I really appreciate that I think it's they they search for inspiration and often bring a lot of these individuals in to ensure that we're you know trying to do our best some of the best Italian food I've had ever has been in Toronto if you can believe that right and I've been to I've been fortunate to come to Italy for the last four years at least two dozen times and we're not lacking for for experimenting and trying but we rival, right? And it's not because it's Canadians doing it. It's a lot of Italians just applying what they do. So what, what, is, what are your kind of, um, I know it's, again, a very difficult question, but sort of go-to Italian wines that really are, are versatile. Just just say that the, all of the wines in the, in the restaurant are all sold out virtually, but there were three or four bottles left and the menu was still, all the stuff on the menu was still available. What are the, those three or four wines that really are versatile that can go with almost anything that comes Italian? From? Yeah. Difficult question, I know. It's a ch- yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if... I would never look at Italy as being, like, one wine being catch-all for everything, right? You have this incredible diversity in Italy of varieties. I, I look at it like, okay, where am I going to go with the, the, the grape or the variety? As far as the nice thing about Italian wines, generally, they go with food. Like, they've evolved that way. So they, they tend to have high acidities, varying levels of tannin, but there is a tannic structure to them. Timorasso is a white... You know, that comes to mind immediately. It has great versatility. Probably one of the ones I'm most interested in is uh, Verdicchio. It's so understated. The, the region it comes from it also is understated. The wines have this salinity. Again, it's not a catch-all, but man, does it ever go with, you know, seafood, Adriatic food, a lot of um, vegetarian items, which is also huge coming up right now. And it's also, Verdicchio is also Italy's best, easily Italy's best value. And kept Great secret. variety that is that is absolutely rock-solid, oh. top quality. I can't agree with you Nebbiolo, Alianico, mm-hmm. uh, Sangiovese uh, for the reds. Verdicchio is like number one in terms of the wine. White wine varieties, and it's and it's basically dirt cheap. In, in my, in, I agree with you one hundred percent. I mean, it, I I was blown away a few years ago at Collisioni and uh, Barolo. There was an amazing uh, display of Verdicchios. That their whole consortio was there, and every single one had expression and depth, and they could age. And you, you, like you said, they're remarkably inexpensive. I don't want to wax poetic too much about it because often when people hear that they're not expensive enough, they raise the price. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if they'll have that uh, issue so much because of uh, you know the oceans of Fazi Pataglia that are, that's being <laughs> exported might keep those those prices down. But as far as reds, you know, Sangiovese is one that comes to mind. I'm finding more and more interest. In, but I've, I've always been a Nebbiolo kind of person. doesn't go with everything, though, yeah. to your question, right? I mean, those tannins, but as far as beauty and elegance, we're finding lighter versions, which is really cool. I think, like, Langa is making some amazing Nebbiolo in a very inexpensive yeah, price compared point. To, compared to Barolo, yeah. Just and compared road, to yeah. 10 years ago, five years ago, even, where they were kind of, like, the lesser. Now those are kind of coming on board, which I think is cool. So, I mean, how do you, how do you see Canada evolving in terms of food and wine in general, in terms of either what people spend or, or food style? or food and wine matching styles? Is it just a slow evolution or are there sort of spikes of activity and then 
things calm down, little trends that suddenly burst out of nowhere. You're saying the van nature, the natural wine it's movement is really taking hold? It, it, it is with a certain specific demographic. You know, I'm still, I'm critical not in a negative way, but I'm just critical because I'm critical about wine in general. And uh, sometimes it's used as an excuse to, you know, be lazy or, or hide fault, but I think there's some amazing wines that have made in a very low intervention way, which is becoming extremely popular. Respect for land is extremely important as well. I to think. Canadian consumers, you talk about, or to you in particular? Uh, I think evolving to Canadian consumers, knowing what your products are, is extremely important. And until that really melts through into the, uh, you know, into the entry level area, you know, it's not going to be all for everyone. Some people just don't care, right? But we are finding, generally with food and wine, that people are caring more about where it came from who made it, and hopefully filtering through a little bit of the, can I swear on here? Yeah. Okay, through the bullshit of uh, marketing that can be out there where, you know, this is grown on a... The greenwashing stuff. Yeah, the greenwashing. Exactly. I think we're moving into, especially in Canada, perhaps more of a phase of critical awareness, especially with the way social media is being portrayed, but, I, you know, we don't know yet. That's wishful thinking, I think, a little bit. Yeah, I think, I think it's kind of harder for bigger companies, particularly, to, to, to pretend to be something that they're not. Mm-hmm. When you get smaller ones as well, let's, let's be clear that Pretend, play the um, green card or environmental or yeah. so, but it is much easier to get found out, mm-hmm. um, which is probably in some ways a good thing, in some ways probably slightly negative. But overall, it does keep people on their toes. Final question about obviously your job is about communication. Sometimes under very high pressure circumstances, uh, with people that may be a bit antsy, they're waiting for their dinner. And how do you buy time as a som to think? Is it hang on? These couple are having two completely different dishes. I've got to find a wine for them. How do you buy time? Uh, how do you mentally? I know you're a man. You can't do two things at once right so go think <laughs> so. I'm best to be told what to do to be completely honest that's a smart way to go about it that's actually fairly easy I mean you, you lean back to hospitality in general right like if you're not hospitable first of all if you're a sommelier you need to be aware that you are in the hospitality industry that you're right? friendly and you're just aware you're aware you're a people per- you should be a people person right we don't need as a sommelier personally like I don't think having the, the know-it-all expressing what they know to you it's few and far between these days anyway right but just be hospitable you know in those instances taking the time have the discussion you know normally it's always I have people tell me what they want and whether they know that they're telling me or not right and that's it's as simple as what do you like you know I could do the pairing but I'm not so anal about that. It's more important that it works with their preferences because that's going to enhance their experience. Yeah, their mood on the evening. For sure, yeah. You know, you have someone who doesn't go out to eat too much. I'm not going to regale them with, like, the most interesting wine in the world they've never heard of when they, you know, don't drink about it. They're just looking for a really great experience and value for dollar. And you can do that by learning a bit about their knowledge, just asking, hey, what do you drink at home normally? And if it's, you know, they're drinking, you know, massive Vapolicello or something like that, that's cool. I understand where you're at. I'm not going to bring you something. I'm not going to bring you that Nebbiolo that I want to drink, right? I'm going to bring you something a little bit lighter, fruitier, or judge their personality. Hey, are you adventurous? And these these conversations are just little exploratory things. And if I need to buy time, I mean, you bring up wine for them to try for free. Like, what's two ounces of wine that, you know, hey, I've got this while I think about that. Like, no one says, oh, forget it, right? This is a terrible experience, so. Yeah, more often than not, they'll take that one because they feel feel reassured. Yeah, it's a trust factor, you know? These things, these days, Everything is about trust, at least in my mind. It's it's got to be about trust. You have to trust is earned. You you can 
advertise, you can sell all you want, but like in the end, these people need to know that, that you have their best interests in mind. And they're going out, they have expectations, you need to be able to find a way to meet or exceed those ones. But just by earning that kind of trust where it's like, hey, you, I've always said, if you don't like it, I'll bring you something. I, like, I'll find another way to, to work with that wine. It's fine by me because there's 200 other people coming in. But I, you know, I, I want you to enjoy it, right? Let's switch it up. Cool, let's have some fun with it. And I've had, I can count on two hands over the 10 years I've been a sommelier where I've had people have problems. And, you know, I've had only once where someone, I couldn't find them a wine that they would like. They yeah, but you probably couldn't find any of them like so. Well, That's yeah, precisely yeah. it. They were super weird. Yeah. <laughs> and they was just like, shook their hands. I'm like, can't find anything for you. Have a good day. Yeah, but they're listening. They are listening. They're one of our listeners, actually. They're, they're hoping. To yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. It's, uh, what are you going to do, right? Here, here's a beer. Enjoy. Here's <laughs> <laughs> a beer. Or a bottle of Perrier. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what they wanted. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted to enjoy wine, but they hated it. <laughs> oh, dear. Or maybe the door. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, Will Pradom, Som from Canada. Great to talk to you. Uh, we could go on all night. Um, I'm terrible at food and wine matching. Really? Of, yeah, I really am. I just kind of I just cook what I have in the cupboard and I drink what I have in the in the cupboard. At home, that's yeah. what I tend to do. Yeah. You know, it's like chefs. You never see them cooking the food at home. They're eating grilled cheese at the time. I'm the equivalent of that. Where it's like I have something that I want to drink at home and something that I want to eat. I'm going to do that. And that mentality has extreme value, generally, right? But yeah. you don't need to be an expert. You just got to like what you do. And if not, it's your fault, right? Yeah. Nice one. All right, well, thanks very much, Will Pridon, for coming to talk to us today on the Italian Wine Podcast about Canada and about being a sommelier and strategies for dealing with customers. Thanks, uh, Monty. Strategies for dealing with podcast hosts like me. You're yeah. very patient. Really? Yeah. I don't know. This I like, to, I like having conversations. Yeah. I can't stand writing. I've uh, been asked to write about myself before. Oh, I hate and, that as well. And it comes out like, like, first of all, I hate it, and then it comes out like cheery sunshine. But you're a moody old me. bastard, right? So you know. Yeah, exactly. I'm really, really <laughs> angry all the time, right? Yeah. I'm just normally a dick too. <laughs> just want to say thank you to my guest today, Will Pradom. Come all the way from Toronto in Canada to tell us about life as a sommelier over there. Great to see you all, and have a safe journey back. And hopefully, see you again on the podcast sometime. Thanks, Marty. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. 